Hey everyone, it's Alan jumping in to let you know that I screwed up. We have a guest today and we ran out of disk space with about five minutes left in the interview, so we don't quite get to the end and say goodbye. Well, the good news is, is our guest has invited us to be a guest on his podcast, so we'll pick it up then some other day, but today, great conversation. Hope you enjoy. Welcome to AB Testing Podcast, your modern testing podcast. Your hosts, Alan and Brent, will be here to guide you through topics on testing, leadership, agile, and anything else that comes to mind. Now, on with the show. Hey, everyone. Howdy. Hey, we have a guest hi. here. We have Darko. Darko, say hi. Hi, guys. We have uh, Darko Fabian. He is the co-founder of Semaphore CI. And he is gonna. He has his own podcast. We can talk about that later. Yeah, sure. And, and, and but we can talk about all kinds of stuff. So let's. We've literally, literally just met seconds before I pressed the record button. So tell us a little about a little about yourself. Yeah, yeah, I agree. We couldn't be less prepared. <laughs> uh, uh, don't great. give away. Oh, it's uh, okay. Our, our listeners know that, that know this. That is. Absolutely not true. We have proven on the (laughs) podcast repeatedly we can be even less prepared than we were last time. So, so Darko, tell us about yourself. Yeah, sure. Um, So, yeah, I have been with my partner running this, you know, CI CD business for last 10 years. Prior to starting, like, um, uh, back then, like a purely hosted CI CD company, we were like a Rails consultancy. And um, in those waters, it was like 2008, 2009. <clears throat> we were very exposed to the community, to the generally the culture of testing, TDD, BDD, all that came with that community. And um, yeah, eventually we figured out that we wanted to have better tools that were than were available back then. And um, yeah, frankly, we also wanted to get away from the consulting business. We want something with a pricing page. Uh, to be honest, um, and that's how we got into, you know, SaaS business, uh, which is a hosted CI CD platform. And as I said, we have been doing that for the last 10 years and it's getting more interesting and more interesting as we are working with, you know, bigger companies that have, um, bigger teams, more challenges in the area of like testing CI CD. Um, so yeah, in, in a couple of words, that's, that's what I'm doing day to day. And uh, I will be glad to, you know, elaborate and expand on on these topics, which um, also seem to be very interesting for you guys. So yeah, I like Brent's already smiling. Do you want to go first, Brent? Well, so I went to I'm on their page, and I love their tagline: CICD for teams that don't like bottlenecks. Um, we hate that, bottlenecks too. Absolutely <laughs> hate bottlenecks in all forms. <laughs> It's a period of time. I don't want to tangentize on this one, but it's 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 the period of time. It's review season at Microsoft. Oh, that's Yay. what they say. Peak in May. Peak in May. That's yeah, the Microsoft and, tagline. Know, no, so it's it's so I consider myself a responsible and caring manager, and so it's the also the time of the year where I retrospect and go, oh, I am such a bottleneck for my team. Anyway. So yeah, doing a lot of self-deprecation uh, for the next couple of weeks around how horrible 
is it that my poor team reports to me? Anyway, I, I don't know. That, I don't know that some of four. I can't imagine a, a worse scenario, but whatever. I, I, I don't know that that's <laughs> that's part of the scenario that you're working to address with some of four, but maybe it is. Go ahead. Al. So, yeah, um, I again, we're not a, a, a product advertisement podcast. However, I'm very curious. I'm going to ask questions anyway. CD is a lot of different things. Like your page says, I'm curious, I'm intensely curious because CD is like my team solves a lot of it for teams at Unity, but CD is a lot of things. Teams don't want CD; they want to be able to. Maybe they just want to be able to automatically deploy in every change, but often they want to be able to roll back, or they want to know under what conditions should I roll back, or can I do blue green deployments or staged rollouts of things. What are I'm just very curious. What are the advanced CD features that Semaphore has. Let me maybe start with a bit of history. Uh, so CI is the part which is um, which is kind of the first thing that you know people want to solve, uh, and that we also saw, solved initially. Then for uh, you know maybe two or three years, people were bothering us. Can you also help us? You know to deploy. And um, frankly speaking, we we fe- haven't figured out that. Um, that's also the thing that we should be doing. We were in that mindset, we should be doing one thing, then doing that thing very well. Over time, we just figured out that, you know, the number of uh, needs that people have, and you just, you know, explained or, you know, um, listed a couple of those is enormous. So what we did is in a pretty agnostic way, we made uh, a way to connect different pipelines together. And those pipelines can model like any, automate any process. Um, So you have your initial pipeline, which is your build and test pipeline. Then you have a promotion, which is a concept which can be triggered manually or automatically, which is just going to trigger a second pipeline. And with that pipeline, you can do your blue-green or um, um, something, you know, any of the deployment patterns that else you, that you would want to do. And on top of that, you can chain another pipeline, which can then again um, automate some other process that you that you would like to to do, for instance, uh, a rollback or uh, um, you know very very, very, very different things. Um, so I hopefully answered your to your question to some extent, but I would be happy to expand. So it it does all of it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, so so just to make sure I heard correctly, it, mm-hmm. it's so you've created sort of a a generic reusable pipeline infrastructure is kind of what I've heard there. Um, but for things like uh, let's say flight control, are there? Do you have any? any features within semaphore that helps you directly manage that or are you at the phase right now that you have the platform to support that but the the management of it is not yet a not yet an integrated feature um well it's probably the first one okay uh yeah 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 and 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 that's that's Fine. How long have you been in business? Uh, 10 years. 10 years. Okay. Interesting. 
in specifically in some of four for 10 years. Yep. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, the, so I, I looked at your podcast. I see it's a who's who. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like I see, I, I see many friends of ours there like, uh, Two times ago, I guess two instances ago, Lisa was up. Um, yep. uh, I'm surprised you haven't. Gotten... Hi, Lisa, because Lisa listens to the podcast. Hi, Lisa. Yeah. Hi, Lisa. Hi. Hi. Um, I, I don't know why I do a podcast. I have absolutely no podcast presence, uh, but I'm I am surprised that Alan's not yet on this list. Brent Brent's uh, trying oh, to be he... my agent. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It... He, he he might be. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, um, Alan definitely gets what he pays for in terms of his agency. So just glancing through, I do see a lot of our friends on here, and, and I do see a lot of uh, test representation here. So are you targeting, do you specifically target the, the test market or the dev market? Like, can can you... Are you open to sharing to what degree you view your solution is test or dev? And, and then how might that have changed in the last 10 years? I, I can maybe explain what our um, most interesting customers are and okay. what we are what we are focusing on. And that should, you know, uh, answer a lot of a lot of your questions. So I mean, for instance, um Companies coming, they're a team of 20 people. They have developed application in whatever tool they're in. A large percentage of the customers are just, you know, product companies that want to move as fast as possible. And they come into our platform. Uh, they are uh, hiring aggressively. And let's say two years later, they're actually a team of 200 people. Our mission is that they don't have to worry about their CI and CD process at all. So we scale automatically. We have a number of uh, features that help them, you know, to support their teams. Um, and they don't have to worry about CI, CD at all. And they also have to be passionate about having a fast, fast feedback loop. Um, for a, a lot of years now, we have been advocating that, you know, a, a feedback on the uh, CI loop should be under 10 minutes. Uh, you guys probably know, for instance, Dave, Dave Farley, he, he likes to keep that at five. <laughs> um, <clears throat> and we are helping teams to, to achieve that and maintain that. As applications are, are growing and complexity is growing, that's not trivial. And we want to be that you know extended part of their team that is going to help them to to achieve that. Um, customer, like ninety nine percent of our customer, all all of our customers are you know very technically mature teams that you know practice TDD, BDD, other you know good uh, testing methodologies, and they pretty much once everything is green on master. They automatically, you know, deploy to production or they click and then deploy happens. But usually there is nothing, you know, nothing more that, that that's really, that's really, that's really uh, blocking them from, from deploying. 
So fast feedback loop, uh, no bottlenecks, um, and uh, various elements of testing are parts of our conversations with customers. I can expand on that. Uh, but yeah, hopefully I answered your, your in initial question at least. Let me talk a bit about that. And one thing I see in a lot of teams moving to CI is a, a challenge they face. We saw this at Microsoft a lot back in the day, Brent, when tests that the team thought we had to run to make sure things were good take four hours, eight hours. Mm -hmm. We Brent and I have both been on teams like that, right, Brent? Brent's nodding his head for those not, yes. not, not um, on the video feed of our non-live podcast. So what what's the path there is my question. Like, and I, I have my own answers, but I'm, I think you might have an opinion here too. Like, how do you take a team that has an eight-hour test pass? I'll say four hours, a long test pass. How do you get them? Do you just call CI and an eight-and-a-half-hour process? Or do you still try and crank that down to 10 minutes? And if so, how? Well... A lot of it in practice, you know, is just, you know, brute force horizontal scaling. Uh, depending on the technologies, but as, as, as you might guess, you know, I already said a lot of our customers are SaaS companies that involves some, some, um, some flavor of web stack uh, where a lot of it can be paralyzed and just horizontally scaled. And uh, if someone comes in through the door and has something like that, you know, a couple of hours long test suite, uh, if you would uh, run that, you know, sequentially, <clears throat> what what we would offer is like, okay, let's massively parallelize that. Let's like 100, 150 jobs in parallel. Our orchestrator and schedulers are optimized uh, to run those jobs like, you know, in uh, a window of like under five seconds, all of those jobs will start. And tests will be distributed across across all of those um, across all of those jobs. However, um, that's never the the end. Um, there are uh, depending on the team and um, and what their values are and what their culture is. Um, they should really work on um, figuring out their testing strategies that will hold for the long term was the testing pyramid. A vast majority of, of, of people that I, I talk to and we talk to um, are struggling with having a very expensive integration acceptance tests um, and really not investing a lot in unit tests and in you know um, just cultivating that test suite and how it will work five years from now or 10 years from now. And then there are like a, a brittleness of tests and flakiness and 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 all of that. Uh, <clears throat> so yeah. So I'm gonna. I, I, you have a very pragmatic approach here, which I love. So um, I have thought about the. Well, I mentioned the pyramid in a second, but also there's a lot of teams focused on writing these brittle. Uh, I can say it, writing these brittle web tests in Selenium. And yes, they, they take a while to run. They're generally flaky. They don't last a long time. And they write too many of them in general. Exactly. In general. Exactly. So, and that's, uh, yeah. that, that's kind of the problem with the industry. No, okay. uh, <laughs> you, are, you are our kind of people, Darko. It's like it, it, it blows me away to no end. And one thing I've stated before, I'm curious on your thoughts because you seem to be um, 
smarter than me is that the test pyramid isn't something you strive towards as a model for how you write your tests. It's the outcome of what happens when you have a well-architected and designed product and suite of tests to test it. That's true. That's true. I um, got something right. Check it out, listeners. <laughs> that, that's true. Because um, I think what I've heard, and I, I just want one other thing, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. What I hear from teams that say, they tell me, we have to write all these Selenium tests because there's no way to test our software not at the web level. And I look at them and I say, don't you see the problem of what you just said? Uh, sadly, they don't. The <laughs> Yeah, so, okay, so so Alan passed test number one. I do, I'm, I'm curious, I'm curious, based on how you told the story. So I'm thinking around, so some of the four started around 10 years ago, thinking about what, Alan and I were doing around 10 years ago. Alan was 10 years ago. That's that's when Darko City started Semaphore. No, I'm I'm trying to think what year it is now because I've forgotten. I can't figure (laughs) out what year 10 years ago was if I don't know when it is now, Brent. I just need a moment to figure out my reality. It's uh, 2022. Yeah, I figured that out by now. Okay, so... um, 10 years ago, Alan was still at Microsoft and we were knee deep in. Actually, I know exactly where that was. That was the year I actually moved to dev and into Bing. Uh, So that was right in the agile transformation period of Microsoft. So um, and, and I don't think I. I don't think anyone on this long, on this call today is going to be confused on, on the importance of CICD as it relates to Agile. Um, but Darko, before before you co-founded Semaphore, what was your history? Were, were you were you a developer? Were you? Oh, no, you mentioned you were a consultant. You you were consulting on on what sort of things? Just uh, uh, development, test, PM, all of the above. But but what exactly? My suspicion, I'll let you answer. But my suspicion is that you were primary developer. Is that correct? Yes, yes, would say so. Yeah. Okay. When you started this company, did you guess that in order to make it thrive, you would essentially need to become a test architect? Um, I'm not sure if I'm a test architect. He's a job. Architect. He's writing jobs that do testing. Because one of the challenges with CICD, in order to make that role, you have to make that really go, right? The tests, the tests need to be rethought. The tests need to be like when when you first start off a new team and they have their. Uh, so back in those days, you know, in my world. Uh, you know, month-long test passes, right? There was no CICD. There was, no, 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 we have a code complete date and then we we kick off a month-long test pass in containing, I mean, it, I had test cases back in those days. So I was a, a, a test manager at that time. And within my organization, we had test cases that take not only multiple hours, but multiple days. Right. It was just very poorly designed up front. 
right? And in order to make your product succeed, it, it seems like you've learned, okay, let's go and we, we're going to have to advise our customers on how to rethink the test architectures, right? Did, did, did that occur? That's what I thought I heard. Well, we do that. We'll do that. But um, <clears throat> maybe I, I would add something here. Uh, of course, we want to... We, we, you know, the, the more successful our customers are, the more we are happy with them, you know, for obvious reasons. <laughs> um, they have bigger teams and uh, at the end of the month, they also have bigger invoices and all of that. <laughs> um, but a lot of teams, and um, what Alan was talking about is they have that huge test suite of those brittle tests and so on. Um, there is that part to success that you know starts startups go through. You know they are just throwing the code in and feature with shovel. You know in, um, and that that initial team is probably not very good technical team. Not composed of the best people. They are the people that will bring the company to the next. I don't know. Not next financing round. Next validation of the product and so on. And in a lot of cases, um, that four-hour test you that needs to be spread uh, across country jobs is um, is a product of success, <laughs> uh, which intersects with you know some um, poor architecture that was you know just inherited you know, and they had to move along fast. So I hope that I'm. Um, I'm to some extent also co um, continuing to what Brad started explaining as the, the situation that you just end up being in. Um, so, and, and, and that test architecture. So we, we do try to help people, you know, uh, but um, I'm not sure to, to, to which extent um, we really do. Uh, because that's, um, we, we can give like some uh, recipes, but in a lot of cases, there has to be a, a somewhat of a cultural shift, you know, and reorganization of the architecture and the approach. And it's kind of a lot of social engineering work <laughs> no, to make yeah. that happen. And we we are with them for a relatively relatively brief periods of times, even if we are meeting every every month, you know, or, or so to help them, you know, steer their boat in the right direction. They still have so many many more hours with themselves and with their old practices that that are pulling them back, you know, and holding them them back. Um, yeah, the what you just said really resonated with me so in the last 10 years and i know alan's done this as well we we've had to go go through a lot of period of agile coaching right a lot of the people that have engaged with me in that time period right they kind of approach and they're like oh right well we want to go to agile because we hear agile's the next big thing Right. And they they're at a phase where at least they're interested, but they are not at a phase where where they understand 
sort of the the, the price tag uh, for that, uh, and it's not just money, but in terms of like cultural changes and and things of those sorts. Do you find that people coming to you are already they are already um, you know given your company's tagline that they that they already sort of understand agile they understand how to execute and now they realize that they absolutely need CICD uh that, that that's a bottleneck to their process um or and they understand that it's probably going to be painful or do you do you find that even with CICD that they're coming to you and say oh well we we you know we heard that we got to be CICD and uh, we want to talk to you. Like, to what degree of ignorance around the end to end are you encountering? Well, <clears throat> I would say that you know, I, I am I, I'm super happy where they are. So they are very, uh, in a lot of cases, they are pr- very lean. They are they are very agile, and uh, they know they know where they need to go. Uh, just getting there is is a journey that takes takes a lot of time, and as you said, uh, a lot of coaching a lot of coaching is needed is needed. Uh, one thing crossed my mind as you uh, as you were saying this um, to jump somewhere else. You know, <clears throat> um, a, a lot of people want to get that kind of a, ma- a magic pill that will you know take their cholesterol down. And it's they they don't want to you know walk every day and do this and change you know ten of their habits, but they would like to get that get that pill. So that that's one of the things that um, <clears throat> is a um, I mean not really frustrating, but yeah, cannot come with a be- better word. That a lot of a lot of teams are looking for something like that. That there is something that will offer like a quick and easy fix. <laughs> uh, however, there isn't. And the latest thing uh, out there are microservices. <laughs> right. As as Alan explained, because there is that test you that takes four hours. So what we are going to do? Well, we are going to take the hammer. <laughs> we are going to break that into a uh, hundred pieces. <laughs> and, uh, you know, all our problems will, will go away because we'll have no longer that embarrassingly long test suite, but we are going to have a lot of small ones. Journey to get there is is a a years-long journey, and it's also very questionable, is that a solution? So that's um, part of my answer, what what they're looking for. And um, uh, every... uh, like five years ago, it was containers. And, uh, you know, there is just so much of that in the air that people cannot not cannot not talk about that and, you know, seek that as a solution for all their problems. And uh, <clears throat> now five, five years later, it's microservices. And uh, it was also like uh, Lambdas and uh, th- those kind of things. So... Um, yeah, that, that that's what I'm seeing. That's my my, my view of the world, <laughs> uh, how people would want to sol- solve their pro- problems. I find it interesting, 
you're, you're saying, so from your view, the shiny thing that everybody uh, thought was the magic pill that would make everything go away five years ago was, was containers and it's now microservices. It's interesting because for me, I would say my experience is kind of the reverse. Um, but it, it's neither here or there. The, the absolute tendency, so I'm a data scientist now, and uh, it seems like I keep changing roles into places where there's a new prevailing belief that uh, a magic pill will, will make the problem go away. But um, clearly, AI can just solve all problems. Of course, right, right. It gets right. It, it's indistinguishable from magic. And, and then I guess. Um, so, do you find day to day? So, you you to what degree have you actually managed to escape uh, the consulting business? Or fully, fully, but you could you could say that. Um, I'm still doing it. I'm just not aware. <laughs> <laughs> that that's actually my day-to-day job. <laughs> yeah, to me, it feels like that's the case. It feels like that you're still doing it, but now focused on, okay, I have to do a consulting business in order to help this customer succeed on Semaphore. Okay, Alan, did you have something? Yeah, I want to dive into, um, we talked, we touched on this and uh, earlier, but I know it's uh, from reading the, Glancing earlier at the ebook on your site, that you have some pretty excellent advice on optimizing tests. We, talk, we talked about the slow Selenium tests, and oh, one thing I wanted to mention when you get that when someone has that four-hour test pass. Sorry, I should organize my thoughts. But when they have that long test pass, I would say ninety-nine times out of a hundred, it also includes tests that they do not need to run anymore. There is, Absolutely. there is a, it's a weird. Uh, bias and Brent to tell me which one it is. Like it's been, it's been around since I've been in testing. Once I create an automated test, that test will run forever. I will never stop running it because if I do the moment I stop the underlying code will break, which is all crap, but people, it's a general belief, whether it's uh, said out loud or not. So often the way to optimize a test pass is to remove tests that are redundant or flaky etc but i know you also have a lot of um uh pretty advanced idea not advanced but you've thought through this problem on optimizing how long tests take to run i just want to just i wanted to expand on that a little bit because i think it's it's uh it's pretty sound and accurate advice and it's worth our listeners hearing about um to be honest i'm not sure to which exact you're referring to they are like um <clears throat> Well, what, I'll just I'll just say, like how do you what, what's your approach to optimizing a test? Say you have a bunch of tests that take you think take too long to run. What do you do? What what's your again? You're is I'm making I'm asking you the consultant question when you're in the business, but yeah. Uh, but how do you go about that? Well, in my particular situation, I I rarely think about uh, one isolated test that might take you know three minutes to run. And can it be written? Can it be you know changed, and then it, it can be completed under you know thirty seconds or, or or something like that? I usually think as a, a test suite as a whole. Um, to me, I, I, I sometimes wonder if I'm doing something wrong, but um, essentially, you need to sort your test by the duration. Uh, 
and uh, pick those, you know, couple of percent that they just take a lot of time. Uh, then go each through each of them and uh, first verify uh, what's the level of confidence that they are bringing and consider, you know, removing them or rewriting them or is there a test which is, you know, already, already testing that. And um, that exactly as you explained brings a lot of anxiety, you know, to remove a test. Um, and then... Also, that element of flickiness, that's actually huge. And um, a lot of people, you know, are kind of, okay, are we that team that has so many flaky tests and are other people better than us? And where are we in that regard? So I would say that potentially those flaky tests are the number one thing which is holding the people back. And uh, I would say that the, the best advice there is just go ahead and delete that test and uh, see what happens. And usually everything will be just fine because the level of confidence that that test is bringing you is actually nothing or it's even poisonous, you know? <laughs> yeah. One thing I did back in the day to, and I realized encourage this behavior backward is a uh, a simple test selection algorithm. We had one way to cut down your test time is to not run all your tests. And uh, we assigned some, we collected some metadata about tests and I won't go through the full list, but things like the test length, uh, last time it found a bug, um, whether it ever had a flaky result or not. And we used that, weighted those things come up with the tests that would run, like maybe we had two hours of tests, but we were going to do a 15 minute test pass. So we picked the best 15 minutes. And people would say, why didn't your algorithm select my test? And we tell them why. And they want their test to be selected. So they go optimize their test to run faster or to fix the flakiness, et cetera. And then it would show up and they'd be happy. Exactly. Exactly. And there is also a situation that there is a test from 2014 that has never failed. Right. Exactly. Because exactly. We don't talk enough about that. We've been talking about that internally Maybe maybe that test isn't actually bringing us value. Another thing we measured in that metadata was the time since the test last ran because we choose not to run tests. So it's fine, that test from 2014, we're going to choose not to run it. But every test pass we go or we don't run it, that test gets a little bit of its value back until a time when it reaches a point where we run it again, it passes, it drops back out. So that, exactly. that's one way to cut it down. But yeah. That we, I've just had a conversation this week about what do we do with these group of tests that have never ever failed. That, that, that that's a great question. That's a great question, and um, I uh, uh, I don't have an answer to that. But um, mm, it's I it, it, it's a discussion topic was. for teams to have. Yeah. It, it's one of those things they don't discuss enough. Now exactly. I. I'm actually, well, actually, so with with simultaneous test and data scientists had on and then looking at, so I'm, I'm currently on Semaphore site and going through what the reports are. Right? They call out failed tests, they call out slowest tests, right? And, and from, for their business, that makes sense, right? Their, their mission is to remove bottlenecks and, and help power people like I would say the, the metric that matters in, in from my point of view, Darko, the metric that matters is is time to deployment. 
Exactly. But you're trying to shrink through. How long does it take from a check-in to get this new feature in production? Right. So absolutely, speed is of of the essence. What I am not seeing uh, on your website, which I do think seems like a, a an opportunity, is time to deployment divided by costs in some fashion. Right. If you can identify using historics, if you can, if you can automatically identify, hey, this test is not adding any value to your CI/CD process, says um, our analytics. Right. Um, then you could start adding recommendations to people and say, hey, maybe you should, you should reduce. It, it, basically. Are you, it's sort of a risk to cost evaluation, right? Is this test really, you're, you're paying for this test, right? You're paying it in terms of time as well as, uh, as whatever my team, my company charges you. Um, but is it really helping to mitigate risk? Now, now on the, on the, on the podcast, obviously, in some regards, the more bad tests they have, the I assume you pay uh, you you your pricing model charges people for the length of time on the CACD. So, in some regards, right, long running tests likely um, benefits you, but uh, in terms of the overall credibility in your mission, right? It yeah. seems it's like actually a value good add. motivation. You want to get your bill down, fix your damn tests. Um, yes, <laughs> but yeah, they're parallelizing that, too. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, that's one way. You can also buy Sanford and run it, you know, like on prem, and then you don't pay, you know, you, you run it on your infrastructure, and then we don't, you know. But, but, mm. um, what, uh, what Brent explained is exactly, uh, the main topic of conversation that we have with a couple of our like largest and most valuable customers. Uh, which is exactly that, that they have been, you know, so successful <laughs> that they have managed to acquire a, a test tube that literally needs 100 plus jobs in parallel to run so that they get their feedback loop under under 10 minutes, you know, and they keep adding more people. And uh, <clears throat> they are worried about their costs. Uh, they are worried about that cost and where, where is that going to go? Um and uh, at this point in time, that's a, a, there is no feature that really helps them with that, you know, and that kind of analysis that would point out that, you know, you have this test, but what value does it bring? And we're literally, we're having very, you know, open and honest conversations, you know, um, what's the value that this test run brings you? <laughs> uh, because it costs a lot, you know, and it can you know, <clears throat> easily cost, you know, a couple of dollars for a single test run. And developers can make many of them. And that can, you know, be significant cost per uh, per developer per month to run to run all those tests. So we, we are working on a couple of things that are related to this. And uh, flakiness is the main thing where we want to help people, you know, track that. Because people have like Excel spreadsheets with you know uh, thousands of lines of flaky tests, and they are figuring out how to battle them. And uh, yeah, 
so on flaky tests. So I don't see, I don't see again on your, on your, your PR material. I don't see any, any report around flaky tests. Do you, do you identify those? As of today, that feature is not, is not around, but we are, we are working on that. Okay. Yeah. That has been, I can say most requested feature. <laughs> I went to, so talking about what we're doing 10 years ago, this is maybe nine years ago, but the conversation reminds me, I went to the Google test automation conference uh, one of the last ones they had in Kirkland. And I jokingly referred to it as the flaky test conference because every talk talking about test automation either was about or mentioned flaky tests. And yep. here we are 10 years later. It's still a thing. Why do you think... Why can you know? 